We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Tiny Straycast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network and our friends over at Underdog, the home of Best Ball Mania 3, the biggest best ball tournament ever. You'll hear more about that later in the show. But today, I am joined by the one, the only, Daniel M. Sanyo. How's nope. it going tonight, Dan? I, I know. <laughs> I, I say M every time, and you, you say no every time. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's going, uh, we're on the NFL draft hangover. I think pretty much all of the undrafted free agents have, have kind of found a home, at least the ones that matter. Obviously the draft occurred and, and those were some things, but we also had some crazy trades, not only just draft pick wise, but player wise. Yep. So we'll get into all of that. I've got eight jam packed topics for the SHOW show. So um, let's get into it. First, we're going to start off with the wide receiver swappage, including a pick of A.J. Brown to Philadelphia and then Traylon Burks to Tennessee. So we'll start with the Philly standpoint on this one. You and I are not the biggest Jalen Hurts fans, but this is a signal of Philly is all in for Jalen Hurts in 2022. And if he doesn't prove, you know, good enough, they have a repertoire of picks in order to they've repertoire of picks in order to trade up to get one of those better quarterbacks for this receiving core of Devonta Smith and D- Dallas Goddard and AJ Brown come 2023. Yeah. I mean, this is for me just putting lipstick on the pig. Uh, I don't, I don't think this, I mean, you can say what you want. You can say that, you know, they're they're They love Jalen hurts and whatever, this is posturing to me for a, a potential playoff run because of their defense, because of their O-line, and because of the weapons. I mean, if they turn this offense into like a, like a like just a running offense, but now you add A.J. Brown, you still have Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. I mean, it, they can be explosive. We've seen them have their explosive games. It's just inconsistent. 
And that all kind of stems from Jalen Hurts. So my my feeling here is they still feel like they can win regardless uh, of who's at quarterback. So whether it's Jalen Hurts or Nick Foles or uh, whoever it, it happens to be in 2023, I, I think this is just them getting ready for a potential big quarterback in 2023. Or if Jalen Hurts learns how to throw in you know this offseason's time, Maybe all of a sudden the Eagles are just Super Bowl contenders. Right now, I think they're a good playoff team. If they had a quarterback that could hit a standing target, I think they would be a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, it, I think that, honestly, I, I'm not a huge believer. We saw when when the pressure is on Jalen Hurts, when it's not prevent defense, when it's not laid back defense, that he's just not as good of a passer as when, you know, that defense doesn't have their in, their ears pinned back. And so my my feelings on AJ Round of Philly is that it's a it's a it's a setup for the the next quarterback. Um and so and also more so than anything, it's a easy easy sell high opportunity for, for Jalen Hurts. And granted, that's just, you know, us like buying our own, you know, shit talk essentially, but that's where I'm at with Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown is that he gives you an opportunity to try and sell high on the guy. He might be valued as like a low end QB one in dynasty now with, you know, with this arsenal. I, I mean, you could treat him if you really wanted to, if your team is like, this is the last year of your window, Jalen hurts could win you a league this year. I, I think he's going to have a substantial number of points. He'll probably end up being a top five, six, seven quarterback because of his rushing upside. And now because of the weapons, I mean, they can do dump offs. And Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown are going to be able to do a hell of a lot more with that than anyone in Tennessee was doing that wasn't named A.J. Brown. So um, I don't think this is a huge difference from Tennessee to Philadelphia for A.J. Brown-wise. I know a lot of people are are pushing him down the ranks. I don't think it can get really much worse than bad Ryan Tannehill. We, we saw good Ryan Tannehill for like 10 weeks two years ago. Uh, but at this stage, I think Jalen Hurts and Ryan Tannehill are probably comparable. So even though he does have significantly more um, you know, people looking for targets as well than he did in Tennessee with the half-dead uh, Julio Jones and then whatever they had at tight end, I, I still I don't know how he dips below like 115 targets, even with a lower volume passing offense and a rush first feel which will most likely be but who knows maybe like i said maybe jalen hurts learned how to throw so i i don't think this this is a real big dip for aj brown if you can buy low i still think i would i think it, it potentially is going to hurt devonta smith a little bit more from a volume perspective it, it, it takes away his like fantasy wide receiver one ceiling that was there yeah. before the trade i don't really see, i mean certainly i don't see jalen hurts you know, supporting two wide receiver ones. And I, I don't see Devonta Smith as a guy who is going to be like a one, a one B in an offense. I think he's a clear two behind AJ Brown. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's interesting. I, I would, I would still think that AJ Brown has the same, uh, similar upside that he did in Tennessee that made him as valuable as he was. And I still think I'll probably be buying low on Devonta Smith with this move because I do still think he's talented enough to, to thrive regardless of targets, you know, he may end up only getting like 95 to hundred targets and that's not great for fantasy purposes, but he can be relatively efficient in his own right because he is so talented. I think the biggest loser in this could end up being Dallas Goddard. Uh, a lot of that stuff, that intermediate stuff is going to be taken away because they're just going to try to get the ball in AJ Brown's hands. 
still trying to feed Devonta Smith and keep him happy. But it, it's still Jalen's legs and the easy throws. And even though Goddard provides easy throws, would you rather have it in Goddard's hands or A.J. Brown's hands? I'm throwing it to A.J. every time. Right, because he has that, that, that yak ability that Dallas Goddard does not. Um, granted, not saying Dallas Goddard doesn't have yak ability, but he doesn't have A.J. Brown. <laughs> he's, not, he's not A.J. Brown. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. I don't uh, think we're making any hot takes by calling Dallas Goddard not A.J. Brown. Yeah, and now a player that was compared to A.J. Brown in the pre-draft phase and, of course, ends up with his former team through the trade, Traylon Burks, to the Tennessee Titans. I'm very... I'm very mixed on like the landing quote unquote landing spots for both AJ Brown and, and Traylon Burks. I, I don't think either of these were, you know, positive landing spots for the wide receiver position, whether it was uh, Philly or Tennessee. And with Burks going to the Titans, like I think that his ceiling is what we saw from AJ Brown with the Titans, but I think that his median range of outcomes and even his floor are probably a little bit lower than what we saw from, from AJ Brown and, you know, he still has to prove it. He has to prove that he's that level of wide receiver in the NFL. Um, he is my wide receiver four b- below the three that were drafted, b- below the three that were drafted before him, um, because I, I think that the the three above him have higher upsides in their offenses and also just higher upsides because they were drafted earlier. Granted, minute of like, you know, seven, eight picks, but um, it's, a, it's a very close tier, but I, I it, it seems like Dan might think it's a hot take to have Burks as the wide receiver four. He's my wide receiver one B. I, I don't think there was a better landing spot considering the people that took wide receiver early. Obviously, Green Bay or KC would have been fantastic for one of the upper echelon wide receivers to land. But you're instantly thrusting him into that A.J. Brown role. And he doesn't have to be great. You've got to remember, they're going to be rookies. They're going to make mistakes. They're not going to be perfect. AJ, that AJ Brown role is, I mean, is as solid as it gets. If Traylon Burke stays healthy, there's no reason to think he can't put up a high end wide receiver two season. They're going to use him all the same ways that they used AJ Brown. I mean, they may not be the same athletically or, or, you know, AJ Brown, you know, whatever, obviously he's proven it, but you couldn't really go and pick a rookie to just replace somebody as perfectly as this was aside from, the Packers replacing Marquez Valdez Scantling with the, with the turd bomber they picked. So I think Traylon Burks has potential for an absolute monster season, regardless of how bad Ryan Tannehill is. Uh, I, I again, he could have gone to Philly with Jalen Hurts, and I would have been saying the same thing outside of the fact that they still have Devonta Smith. So he has no challenge for targets. They they picked him high. They picked him higher than he was supposed to have been going early draft talk he was going to be in that mid first range and then all of a sudden we started hearing you know rumblings of how he's going to fall into the early second yada yada obviously that's just posturing by media or by coaching or by front offices to get him to slide but i i don't see really any downside in in picking Traylon burks higher than drake london uh the i could you could make the argument for garrett wilson i'll i'll understand that one uh i have no interest in taking drake london in a in a fit that just doesn't make sense with Atlanta bad quarterback. They already have Kyle Pitts. I know Kyle, you know, that's different, but they're not going to be into a a good enough quarterback uh, until probably at least 2024. Cause I have a fear that Atlanta is just magically going to win like seven games and play themselves out of all the good quarterbacks. See, I, I'm a, a unapologetic Desmond Ritter fan. Um, so 
I am all in on the I'm all in on the Falcons 2023 offense uh, because I think that a Ritter Pitts London Ridley offense is going to be one of the best offenses in the NFC. Well, if Ritter pans out, it makes a hell of a lot more sense than a Mariota London Pitts offense. So as of right now, I'm not as bullish on on Des Ritter. I, I get it. I see the upside. I, I just I think it's going to be a Mariota season, assuming health. And they kind of see what they have in 2023. And hopefully, I guess my biggest fear is if they see enough on the daily from Des Ritter to then pass on one of the 23 quarterbacks, assuming they have a high enough pick. Well, now they could be in real trouble if if Ritter isn't what maybe they see at practice or he doesn't you know show up preseason, whatever it is. If he all of a sudden is a bum. Well, now they're screwed because now they've either played themselves out of the 23 spot at the high end where all the good quarterbacks are going to be, or they pass on one because they think they have something worthwhile. And, you know, I mean, that's a risk you kind of have to take. It's the NFL. But if they're picking high, I would certainly imagine that Des Ritter won't be long for a job. Um, but, I, you know, there's there's a lot of potential there for him to, to climb into that zone. I just I, – I struggle not having the – who I think – the better wide receivers are in what I believe are the better landing spots. And I just don't love Atlanta with London. That offense doesn't make sense for him. Um, well, especially with Mariota, if it's Ritter, it's hold, it's a completely different story. But, but yeah, I mean, for, for me, I see it as Ritter. I, like, I think the Falcons are going to be a very mediocre football team. And if they are like three and five, four and seven around that mark, that's when Mariota is going to see the pine. Um, you know, obviously Mariota is also a guy who's had his fair share of injuries during his career. So, um, whether it be through injury or through benching, just cause the, like, I don't think Mariota is going to play his way out of a job through his own play. I think he'll play his way out of, out of a job through the Atlanta Falcons record. And they're like, okay, like we have six or seven games. Do we want to sp- spend that giving it to the veteran or do we want to spend that giving a tryout to Desmond Ritter to make a decision? Okay. Do we want to invest, you know, a top 10 pick in, in the quarterback position in 2023? Uh, they made their hand maybe forced at that, regardless of of whether or not Ritter even shows a moderate skill. You know that having the ability to get one of those actual high end quarterbacks, um, and then maybe they move off of Ritter. I, I guess I don't really know how, how all of that's going to go. But yeah, well, that, sure. I mean, but there's definitely within the range of outcomes uh, is Ritter playing well, but them still going like you know, five and 12 or four and thir- uh, fifth, 13, whatever the, the math works out to be. But like you said, it, it is an interesting, it will be a decision for them. Nonetheless. I just think that they, that Ritter will play well enough with, despite the losses to be like, all right, we're going to get, you know, kind of similar to what we've seen from Jalen hurts. Like Jalen hurts is getting this extra time because he's shown just enough. And I think Ritter's going to do the same. Um, and then London. So, I'm a huge London guy. London is my wide receiver one, um, first wide receiver off the board. I am bullish on this Falcons offense long term, maybe maybe foolishly, but I think that London has true like top ten dynasty wide receiver, you know, you know ability, and I think that really I think him and Burks probably have the two highest ceilings in this class, and so I'm I'm big on London. I think that this is a nice spot for him in Atlanta. Um, any other thoughts on, on this duo? I'm just curious if Kyle Shanahan went back to Atlanta and that's why you're so bullish. No, They're going to be bad. 
<laughs> he, no, he, he's going to when Shanahan gets fired. For, oh, know. okay. Now, now it's all making sense. I forgot you have that crystal ball over there. No, I mean, I get it. Like the, the draft capital and, and the profile of Drake London should be super, super sexy. And everybody's talking about all of these things that they see and, and the explosiveness and this and that and the other thing. And when I watch him, I just don't see it. And the plays where he is, he's looking like head and shoulders above the opponent. He's playing against like what are barely division one cornerbacks like the the pack 12 or 10 or 13. However many teams are in the division now, I'm never going to guess it right. They have some of the worst cornerback play outside of the kids from Washington. And guess who Drake London hasn't played those kids from Washington. So I, I, I really struggle with the level of competition in in that conference. I, I get it. You still got to do it and you got to make the plays. But. He, he looked very mediocre a lot of the time and extremely good some of the time. But when he looked good, you could see that light at the end of the tunnel. So I get the upside. I get the draft capital. I understand all of that. I just don't love him on paper, especially considering the landing spot ahead of, ahead of you know, Jamison Williams, Traylon Burks, even Garrett Wilson. I have a list. Are you, would you like to hear my list? Go ahead. Uh, so this list is courtesy of our friend J.J. Zacharyson at Later On Quarterback. Um, the list is 200 plus pound early declare wide receivers drafted in the top 10 since 2011. AJ Green, Julio Jones, Justin Blackman, Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Mike Williams, Jamar Chase, Drake London. <laughs> that is a impressive list that like when you're when the bottom like when the worst case scenario from your list from a football standpoint is like Sammy Watkins and Mike Williams. It's a, it's a pretty good list. Granted, it's still a 10-year, 12, 11-year list, but thought I'd throw that out there. Gotta gotta love those those cherry-picked stats, eh? Oh, you know, anything to prove, anything <laughs> to prove my narrative. Speaking of cherry-picking, um, Hollywood Brown, he will be cherry-picking some touchdowns from his former college teammate, Kyler Murray, as he is traded to the Arizona Cardinals for a first-round pick. Essentially, they, the, the, the Cardinals got a, a third-round pick in return as well. Um and then DeAndre Hopkins suspended. We have to pretty much assume that they knew the suspension was coming prior to this trade. So how much of this trade is posturing for Kyler Murray's contract extension? How much of it is filling, filling the need of the suspension? And, you know, what does this mean for, for the that offense moving forward? Well, I think it's a pretty mixed basket, but I, I think one – one kind of hidden takeaway from the whole deal is they're probably going to be running a lot more two tight end sets because they re-signed Ertz, give him all that money. But then also you bring in Trey McBride. And now, I mean, and Trey McBride can can play. He he kind of showed us in college that, that he's ready for the new age NFL. He's the big move tight end that can do all of those things. And now all of a sudden, Arizona's kind of at a loss for for talent you know they do bring in hollywood brown which is a huge get but now you're you're out of deandre hopkins for six games who's coming off of an injury and you still have rondale moore who that's just a gigantic question mark well i mean who else are they putting on the field i, I feel like trey mcbride was brought in to do something very specific uh i love the move for hollywood brown i, I love it for kyler i love it for the whole offense I think short term is probably not as great because defenses will just focus him. Whereas if if Hopkins is on the field, you know he's going to be wide open like we saw when AJ Green was wide open on the field. This the skeleton of AJ Green was just was just out there free like every play. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a believer in Hollywood Brown in, in this with this, you know, landing spot in Arizona. I think that he his upside increased precipitously. Like, oh, you sure. know, usually, usually, you know, when a guy goes from a wide receiver one A one B situation to being a clear wide receiver two once Hopkins returns in week seven, week eight. But I don't think that matters because Hollywood Brown and his stats are going to be so reliant on that a dot on those air yards. And Kyler Murray is going to, you know, provide those numbers at a much higher rate than Lamar Jackson does. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of been the downfall of Lamar for the last couple of years, even though he, I mean, he looked better. I, I think this year it's been a volume, but B actually pushing it down the field. And, we know Kyler's not really uh, afraid to take those chances to push it downfield. And, uh, you know, bringing in Hollywood Brown, I think that it's going to be huge for the offense. When they get back to 100% with Hopkins, and uh, we would assume at this point that Kyler will be signing uh, an extension at some point, considering the, the fairly large move that Arizona was willing to make on his behalf, I would, I would imagine this offense is going to be pretty formidable. I think if... If um, James Conner can be, I mean, the the kind of rock he's been as far as holding down that backfield, you know, they they, they lose out on uh, Chase Edmonds, which is tough. I think he was a nice piece of that offense, but hopefully we do backfill that with Rondell Moore. I, I think it's, it's a lot of upside gain for the entire offense by bringing in someone that can open it up like Hollywood Brown, and you still get your elite wide receiver one in DeAndre Hopkins, but after six games, so... I think it's great for Kyler. I think if anyone's been down on him because of contract talks, it's still maybe a decent buy time. But I mean, you're you're probably not going to be getting much of a discount. Maybe like QB five for somebody that's really low on him, spending spending yeah, something like that. I, I think the Kyler buy, and this might just be you know the risk aversion in me, but I think if I'm buying Kyler, I'm trying to use a piece like Deshaun Watson plus. Yeah, where. For sure. it, Deshaun Watson's price has risen so much that you could probably do like Watson and like the 202 or like Watson and, you know, a future, uh, a late future first or something like that. And that can get you Kyler Murray. And granted, you might then say, okay, am I risking the contract negotiations versus the other stuff? But I think that that would be, if I'm trying to acquire Kyler Murray and I have, you know, a, a quarterback in that tier, that would be the type of move I'd be looking to make. A move I've made twice this offseason, um, uh, one was for picks, one one was added players, but was Mahomes for Kyler, uh, and I, I, I got a, a decent first on top in one of them, and then the other, uh, I think I ended up getting, uh, man, I think it might have been Devonta Smith, so I got Kyler Murray and Devonta Smith for Patrick Mahomes. I think moving off of Mahomes, it, you know, that offense is going to be that offense. He's still going to do the things that he wants to do. Not having Tyreek Hill definitely hurts, but I don't think it's going to change a ton on the on the Mahomes perspective. But I do think that Kyler has as much, if not more, upside. So making making a, a very very slight downgrade at quarterback to add another piece there, I think is a is a real easy win. All right, let's move on to. Uh, I didn't no- notice this until I typed it out, but the Pick Boys, uh, Pickett and Pickens, heading to Pittsburgh. You know, I think the the big takeaway here is that Pickett's the, the QB one, especially with the drop that we'll talk about shortly uh, of Malik Willis. But you know, he's such you know such a high draft capital compared to his peers, 
And now he has a nice repertoire of weapons with Deontay Johnson, who's, you know, a potential to walk um, with his contract. If you look at their 2022 weapons, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, uh, Pat Fryermuth, and Najee Harris, that has the looks of a very good offense. Um, and honestly, it's very similar to Philadelphia's offense, where it's like, if the quarterback cart, if the quarterback part gets figured out, it could be a very lucrative offense to have for fantasy. Well, based on that, you know, little note there, I, I would much rather have Jalen Hurts than Kenny Pickett. I don't think Kenny Pickett is good at all. Um, this is a this is a tough one for me because he by default has to be your QB one, but I think he's probably like the fourth best quarterback in this class and got picked three rounds too high based on where everybody else went. So it, I, I think you're right, though. I think it might end up being a real cheap way to get in, uh, you know, like a mid to low end QB two, just based on what he's surrounded by in the history of Pittsburgh and and how they've been able to produce. I mean, even the bad ones, aside from like Duck, Duck, Duck Hodges or whatever his name was, and Mason Rudolph, because they're actually bad. Like, I don't know how they were even in the NFL as quarterbacks. You know, we'll see. I would imagine that they'll probably want him out there right away. But, you know, it's going to be Trubisky for maybe a short period of time. I think only time tells us who, who actually starts there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, someone compared the, you know, Mitchell Trubisky situation to that of the Mike Glennon signing in Chicago, where it's like Mike Glennon signed to be the starter with not exactly starter money and then was immediately, you know, supplanted by a draft pick. So. But who was that? Who was the draft pick? Oh, it was Mitch. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. Full circle. Um, Mitch replaced Mike Glennon and now. uh Kenny Pickett is going to replace Mitch fairly shortly. Um, you talk, So you talked about trying to get a, a cheap piece of the offense. That's definitely a very uh, important strategy in best ball and even more important in a best ball tournament. So Kenny Pickett, I know you aren't the biggest fan of his, but if you want to get a, a stack of the Pittsburgh Steelers, getting a Kenny Pickett and Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth stack might be something we might be looking for as, you know, a low end stack. Like people are like, okay, I'm going to go after the Chiefs stack or I'm going to go after the, the Chargers stack. Is a Pittsburgh Steelers stack of, of Pickett, Fryermuth, and Deontay Johnson going to be the secret winner of the, the Best Ball Mania 3? Well, I don't know if it's going to be the secret winner. I'd probably mix in a Najee Harris. But, I mean, I think technically we're all secret winners because of how great underdogfantasy.com actually is. We are, folks, we are talking about the best place to play fantasy football this summer, this year, whenever, anytime. It doesn't matter. Underdog Fantasy is the place to be. Their Best Ball Mania 3, this is the third time, the Best Ball Mania 3 tournament has a $10 million prize pool. Think about that. Nathan, what would you spend $10 million on? I don't know. Perfect. A, ni- a nice house. <laughs> <laughs> the best part about the whole thing, aside from the money, I mean, because the money's pretty great, all you do is draft your team, and guess what? That's it, Nathan. You draft... Whoa. Set it and forget it. There's there's no lineups, no waivers, no trades, no in-season management. We draft and we just let it run. That is why we love best ball so much. And Underdog gives you your best score each week of the season, just like just like how best ball is supposed to be. And the highest score at the end of the year wins part of that $10 million prize. The champion of the best ball mania last year drafted in June. So there's no time like now, right now, to get into underdog and take your shot 
at potentially a million dollar draft. Plus, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code RotoViz. That's R O T O V I Z, RotoViz. Guess what, folks? You put in 100, they give you 100. That is four free entries into Best Ball Mania 3. They are literally giving you entries into millions and millions of potential dollars. And Dan, imagine if like the winner of the Best Ball Mania 3 in that the big jackpot uses it from like a free entry, like my mind would explode. I mean, if it was the road of his code, you could share it with Nathan and I <laughs> if you want to. I'm not saying you have to, like you're obligated to, but I mean we if so facto kind of gave you the money. So uh, I, I don't really know what you're waiting for. Just get to underdogfantasy.com or you get Underdog Fantasy in the App Store. Both super simple. They both work as great as the next. Sign up for Underdog with promo code RotoViz and draft your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com, promo code RotoViz. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next, we'll move on to one of the bigger stories of draft night, particularly draft night day two, Malik Willis. Malik Willis was projected by many to go to that 20th overall pick to the to Pittsburgh Steelers. And then all those like day two mock drafts, there was like 18 different teams he was mocked to in the second round. And that was not the case. He did fall to the third round to the Tennessee Titans. I believe they traded up for him during that third round of the NFL draft. I... I like this situation for Malik Willis. This is a guy who, you know, I'm not a huge fan of like players needing time to develop and yada, yada, yada. But he's in a situation where he can be afforded that time to develop because Ryan Tannehill is not getting benched anytime soon. Like Mitch Trubisky could be benched in week four. I don't see Ryan Tannehill getting benched in week four for Malik Willis. And, you know, this is now kind of turning into a young offense. I'd be very surprised if we get, and this is kind of like not exactly like a hot take, but like I'd be surprised if we get to 2024 
and Derrick Henry still on the roster. Like this is a team that's going to like do this sort of like slow rebuild where they're going to try and compete for 2022, maybe even 2023, but they're going to have a revamped offense come 2024. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's going to look different, but also kind of the same because I don't think Malik Willis is a big fall off from Ryan Tannehill. Even now Uh, he does need the time to kind of acclimate himself to the position to obviously the NFL, but uh, see, I, I'm less, I'm less like ready for just Ryan Tannehill to be the quarterback. Uh, I see Malik Willis having a, a little bit clear of a path to to being quarterback. I, I really do, and there's so much upside provided in what Malik can offer. You know, Tannehill at this point is, I mean, he's backup level. Uh, you know, he had the one shining star get me away from Miami year. And, you know, he, he showed that he could play the, the quarterback. But ever since then, he's been pretty abysmal. Um, and I think that's more than fair to say. So I, I also think that Tennessee, Atlanta and Carolina all were in a group text with Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh was like, hey, guys, we're all picking quarterbacks in the first round. Right. And the other teams were like, uh, yeah. And then it hit them with like an LOL dot 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 kind of thing and let it trail off. And then Pittsburgh went, and then all of them just laughed their way to the bank and got three better quarterbacks in two rounds later. So um, I love Malik Willis. I, I'll never not love Malik Willis, uh, the person, the player, the prospect, whatever. I I feel like he still has all of the potential in the world. And even though he was picked where he was picked, I, I still think he's going to get the time of day from Tennessee to develop because they know what they have in Ryan Tannehill. And... Derrick Henry can only be your crutch so much until it snaps. We saw it snap last year, and that was kind of the end of them. And and as great as Derrick Henry is, he's not going to be able to support an an entire team in today's NFL. You need to be able to throw the ball. You need to have a little bit more dynamic of an offense. And Malik Willis can provide that. So I'm still going to be acquiring as much Malik Willis as I can. The, The question with him is price. So, Nathan, where... Where is the first spot you're comfortable taking Malik Willis in two QB slash superflex? Oh, it it's rough. I I think that it's probably in that like, and it really depends on the team, but it's probably in like like two oh seven to two oh nine range. In superflex? Yeah, no. He the we've seen the lack of success from these day two quarterbacks that like when do you think you're gonna start paying dividends from that Malik Willis stock? I mean, when did Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson all start paying dividends? Sure, I, I think it's. That... I think it's less of an uh, Jalen Hurts. I, I think it's less of an outlier as we see teams focus other positions. Unless you have a quote unquote generational quarterback, because these guys have been brought up in a pro system and are have been playing their play ball all year round. It's so much different than it ever used to be. It's hard to use those hard cutoffs like second round, third round, whatever. And on that specific position, because we've seen so many good ones come out from later in the draft where, I mean, it's I'd be I'd be in that 110 to 112 range, assuming any of the wide receivers or Kenny Pickett is is, are all gone. Any of them that I would have any interest in. And then Brees Hall and Kenny Walker. I, I think if you get beyond that stable, I mean, there's no more upside than Malik Willis. Yeah, I mean. Personally, I'm taking all of the wide receivers, uh, Dotson, Watson, Pickens, 
um, and Mechie and Skymore over Malik Willis. Um, and that's probably really where the differentiator is that you're probably, probably. taking you're probably taking him over Mechie, Skymore, and and probably Watson as well because I feel like you mentioned you're not being a fan of his. I think Mechie and Pickens would be the only two that I would kind of balance with. I, I, the other ones I'm I'm indifferent on. Um, I do still think Mechie, who we'll probably talk about at some point on a future show, and and Pickens both can be difference makers. And um, I, I just in that in two QB, I mean that's the cheapest that they're ever going to be. So if he starts to slide, you can get him at like two oh four. If he's sitting on the board, I mean, I would happily trade a, a two and a three to move up to get to get Malik Willis if that's an option. Yeah, and also as we always talk about, league size and roster size matters with this. Like, it, you're a lot. It's a lot easier to carry Malik Willis when there's 28 roster spots sure. than if you're carrying like in that 20 to 24 range. Um, not saying that's going to take like eight years for Malik Willis to to, to play, but. I, I think that at the very least you're waiting for a year and a half. Like, I think that's like the bare minimum for what you're looking at with Malik. Actually, no, that's not true. Um, it's a year. Uh, the year is the bare minimum because they do have the out on his, on Ryan Tannehill's contract in 2023. I think it's going to be like week 12. They realize that they need a wide receiver too. They move Tannehill back to wide receiver, <laughs> plug Malik in. They run option with Malik Willis and Derek Henry and, and Traylon Burks. And they just go absolutely wild. Speaking of going wild, the New York Jets went pretty wild on day one. They had they have three first rounders or fourth round, four, 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 four first. I think it was first. like eleven. They, I feel like they were picking every other pick. <laughs> they uh, had their fair share of fun on draft night on night one and going into night two with the Brees Hall pick early in the second round. So Brees Hall early in the second round, Garrett Wilson um, in, in the middle of the, the first round at pick ten. So my, my hot take on the Brees Hall thing, I, 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 I'm not worried about Michael Carter at all. I, I, I know some people, I think some people use that as an excuse not to draft Brees Hall. Um, I use my infatuation with Drake London to not draft Brees Hall 101. I have Brees Hall as my 102 behind Drake London. But I'm not going to fret or shake my finger at someone taking Brees Hall over Drake London. I am, I am understanding of why Hall is the maybe a safer bet than, than London at that pick. And then Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson is the guy who I have wide receiver two behind London. And, you know, similar to, I talked about Philly and, and Pittsburgh, like I'm buying this Jets offense because I am a believer in, in Zach Wilson. Like if Zach Wilson is competent whatsoever, like the Jets are going to be like a top 12 NFL offense. I think what frustrates me the most about the whole thing is that because they've had such good drafts the last two drafts, my really funny Jets tweet about the plane crashing and them chanting J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 it's no longer relevant at this stage because when did they learn how to draft? I'm I'm in utter shock. They get two of probably the six best offensive playmakers in the draft. You bring in Brees Hall, who is pretty easily the RB1 for me, and you get, get, yes. and you get no, Garrett Wilson. There is a treacherous size gap between rb1 and <laughs> rb2 i don't know if it's treacherous it, but no it, it's, it's we'll get well, we'll get that's the next topic there's okay. a treacherous size gap the 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 valley that it lies between them i think his name is pete carroll um yeah so i i think this is this is a pretty good uptick for me as far as all things jets go but I mean, you said it, the the real winner here is going to be Zach Wilson. Even if he's mediocre, I mean, this offense can cruise. They have such great playmakers now. 
from from top to bottom, really. If uh, and they've added to the line, and and that's going to be a lot less of an issue as it was. But having playmakers and people that can free things up and open up the offense is so important, obviously. But now you have real ones. You have Garrett Wilson. You have Brees Hall. You bring back Elijah Moore. That offense is scary now, and, and it's just been the you know the NFL mockingbird for however many years they've they've all of a sudden figured it out. So I think. I think Brees is the 101. Uh, I, I've talked about it the last couple of weeks where, you know, that that first running back off the board, whether they're first round or early second, uh, and the Jets talked about trading up to the first, uh, you know, that what that is what it is. There isn't actually you know, anything to show that they were going to do that. But uh, nonetheless, Brees is the first running back off the board. And historically, that that is all things pointed upwards for him. So, um, I, I think you're going to get a lot of production quick. I have no fear of Michael Carter whatsoever. And I think Garrett Wilson and, and Elijah Moore are a beautiful tandem as far as wide receiver goes. So this offense has significant more upside than people are probably giving it credit for. And if you can get a discount just because of the name on the jersey, I, I think um, I, I think you might have to, to go out and buy a few shares. Didn't the Jets draft a tight end? Who was the tight end they drafted? It's a good question. I don't know if you know this, Nathan, but we hate tight ends on this show, so I'm I'm really I'm not entirely sure. I because I remember I remember they drafted a tight end. And I'm like, didn't they sign? Because uh, they did. They signed C.J. Uzoma and uh, and Tyler Gronklin. Ruckert, um, maybe? Did they get yes, Ruckert? Yes, yes, Ruckert. There you go. Yeah. And I, yeah. I like Jeremy Ruckert, so that's another that's another bonus for the offense. Assuming you know he gets in and, and gets some playing time, he's. He's probably tight end three in the class. I mean, Trey McBride, I think, is your clear one. Jelani Woods is probably two. Yeah, J- Jelani Woods got higher draft capital than I think I was expecting. Sure. I got, um, and going to a, a solid landing spot in Indy is definitely a positive. Um, but let's go on to the treacherous gap between RB1 and RB2. <laughs> um, and that's Kenneth Walker going to, in round two to the Seattle Seahawks. I I know that sometimes like Twitter thinks that we're smarter than NFL GMs. Mm. I I am one hundred percent positive that Twitter is smarter than the Seattle GM. John, <laughs> is John Schneider still the GM there? I think so. Unfortunately, how they could draft Kenneth Walker and walk out of the twenty twenty two draft without a quarterback makes zero sense. I understand the concept of like you know, let's wait for a quarterback next year, but they're not doing that. They're not waiting for a quarterback next year because Pete Carroll is old as crap. And like that team is not set up to fully rebuild because they keep on not doing it correctly. Like the only thing they've done correctly so far is trade Russell Wilson. And that's the only rebuild step they've done correctly so far. That's it. It's, it's scary. I think, I think this draft pick tells us a total of three things. Number one, Pete Carroll slash John Snyder uh, are idiots. Uh, two, Chris Carson's probably dead. And three, Rashad Penny's probably dead. So I think at the very least, uh, assuming health, Kenny, Kenny Walker's probably going to at least get decent touches in what will probably end up being a bottom four or five offense in the NFL. You know, they still have DK Metcalf. You still have Tyler Lockett. Uh, Drew Locke has shown to be at least marginal, you know, I I mean, he can complete passes, (laughs) so he's got that going for him. 
Um, volume is really going to be the driving factor for Kenny Walker. Uh, I would struggle to take him over any of the first round wide receivers. Um, maybe even, even Dotson. That's probably the the spot where I, I would be fine interchanging. I, yeah. I'd probably take yeah. Walker over Dotson, but I'm probably even taking Pickens over over Walker at this stage. I just really don't trust Seattle and what they do at the running back position. See, I mean, I'm I've been the one saying like stock down on on Kenneth Walker, but I still have him ranked 107 in my Superflex rankings behind London Hall, Wilson, Williams, Burks, Pickett, and then Walker. So I, I have him one spot above Olav and two spots above Dotson, and I think that he's you know wet, comfortably above Watson and Pickens for me. But nonetheless, I I don't see it. I mean, I, I'm a big Rashad Penny fan. I don't think that he's quite dead. I think that. You know, they're going to split work, especially early on, you know, in year one. I'm not sure what contract Penny said. I don't have that right in front of me. Um, but, you know, I think at least in year one, it's going to be like a, a 50-50, you know, 60-40 type split, as long as Rashad Penny's healthy, which hasn't been much in his career, obviously. Well, yeah, I mean, it's been almost absolute zero. And when, when he's been healthy, he's barely played because either he gets hurt immediately or Chris Carson's healthy. And obviously, you're going to put Chris Carson on the field. So, uh it's a one-year prove-it deal, essentially, for, for Rashad Penny. It is, I, I mean, moderately significant. It's not huge by any means, but he's got a $5.5 million cap hit. So I think they're probably banking on him being at least partially healthy. Uh, and supplementing with Kenny Walker is probably not going to be the worst thing in the world. So I, I do think, you know, short-term, it, it could be tough, and it's not going to probably bode super well for Kenny Walker as far as historical data goes, because I don't think he's got any chance of being like a top 20 or 25 running back unless Rashad Penny does in fact miss like a full season or even half a season. I think that would be a very difficult task. Uh, this is just kind of kind of all around a, a pretty sad offense. Um, I don't even know what to do with DK Metcalf at this stage. We're not talking about him today, but uh, just all in all, I, I think I'm, all you I'm have to do, all you have do is close your eyes and say, DK Metcalf walk, DK Metcalf walk, DK Metcalf walk. <laughs> just walk. hold out. But then he uh, tweets that he tweets that he's close. They're close on a deal and he's going to be in Seattle for the foreseeable future. So that's, you know, depressing. I, yeah, I'll cry about that. All right. W- w- more things to cry about is when teams unnecessarily take running backs too early. That that three teams in the NFL did that this weekend. At least three teams, I guess four teams if you count the Seahawks. Um, the Bucks, Commanders, and Niners all took day two running backs. Buccaneers with Rachad White, um, uh, Brian Robinson for the Commanders, and uh, Tryon Davis Price for one the San Francisco 49ers. Um, what are your takeaway from these selections? I, I, I think that Rashad White is is clearly the the highest valued in the dynasty sphere right now, but I really don't see a ton of upside for any of these guys in in the short term. Well, first of all, let me thank you for not including uh, James Cook in this list because no, because that that would make sense. <laughs> I know, no. I know, but I also love him, so I appreciate you not uh, not hating on my on my love. Um, yeah, I mean Tampa, I I get it. You know, Leonard Fournette's injury history hasn't exactly been spotless. He's been better as of late. I feel like he's played a hell of a lot more football but lately. They, they signed him to a three-year deal, and they re-signed Gio Bernard. Like. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. They have a clean out after twenty after twenty twenty three, and that's kind of where that 
conversation ends. I don't obviously love them going and and getting uh, Rashad White here, uh, but again, it's it's kind of partly the draft capital that makes you kind of still be a little bit in. There's potential he gets to play with Tom Brady if if Fournette gets hurt. You know, Gio Bernard is going to be a factor in some fashion, but I don't think you spend a moderately high pick on running back if you don't have some kind of plan for them or see something in their game that can either A, supplement the offense, or B, fulfill the offense when somebody happens to go down with injury. So I think the Bucks with Rashad White is it's an interesting one. I, I think the one that I probably despise the most is going to be Brian Robinson to the commanders. Um, that sucks for Antonio Gibson, unless it's just a spot filler. But I mean, McKissick's back. Uh, now you bring in Brian Robinson into that mess. And all of a sudden, Antonio Gibson is a lot less appealing than, than he was, you know, a month ago. So that's a, that's a tough one. And honestly, the, I expect the 49ers to draft like, a day two running back every single year until Kyle Shanahan's 936 years old. I, I, that's just, that's the nature of the beats. He's going to continue to do it. They'll they'll get a, an undrafted one that ends up being good. And a second round one ends up being wasted. And then you just balance them out. And they couldn't have just, if they wanted to waste it on a day two guy, couldn't they, couldn't they take an Isaiah Spiller? Like, couldn't they at least have like made me the hat? Like Isaiah Spiller, if he would have gone in the third round, to the Niners, he would have been like my 102. Like, it would have been ridiculous. Yeah, he would have been like Devonta Freeman for me. It, it would have just instantly turned into, like, love and move him way too high. And and then, of course, Isaiah Spiller, unfortunately, gets, like, one of the worst possible landing spots having to play behind Austin Eckler. So, uh, but, yeah. But it's the charge offense. Like, That's you know. true. There is some upside. Uh, I never want anyone to get injured, but... <laughs> <laughs> and- but and speaking of you know underdog and getting in love the best ball mania three like getting these rookie running backs that clearly could go into workhorse roles is something you can do like don't handcuff like don't get Eckler and and Spiller but like if you get Eckler then get Rashad White or if you get Eckler then get Brian Robinson because then when Antonio Gibson gets gets hurt you're benefiting double you have the Eckler and you have the guy who's t- taking over as the RB1 so that's a little a sneak in some best ball advice for these these are some intriguing day two running backs from a redraft perspective even if we don't necessarily love the dynasty value of them so before you wrap that portion of it up I, I think we close out with outside of your top 12 to 15 because I think it's probably pretty similar for everybody and I know that this class is disgusting because once you get to like 20, I don't even know who these people are. But do you have someone a little bit lower down the list that you're going to be having like a guaranteed share of in as many leagues as possible or somebody that that you absolutely love that's got so much upside and and I mean, just a zero floor? What what do you think how Sam Howell's Superflex ADP is going to be? I mean, he's probably going to end up being the second to last quarterback off the board. Right. So do you think he's going to go like, like 308, 3 to 10, 310 range? Yeah, I'm guessing he's going to be in that 30 to 35 pick range. Yeah. If that's his price, sign me up. Sure. And yeah, as far as as far as Superflex goes, it would be you'd be hard pressed to find more upside outside of quarterback. 
Um, but as far as just regular skill position goes, uh, I, I think Zamir White is is probably one of those guys. And I gave our good buddy Ty Miller a little bit of crap for for uh, moving into a spot and grafting Zamir White in a spot where I wanted someone else. But I, I feel like because of the, the Raiders didn't pick up Josh Jacobs option. Uh, I don't know if anyone has heard that news or if everyone has heard that news. I don't see a lot of interference with Zamir White having some form of production relatively quickly. Now, I, I do understand that Josh Jacobs is an RB1, and they'll continue to be one wherever he plays because he's good enough. But Zamir White at one point was uh, an absolute Debbie darling. He was way high up on everybody's list. Over time, obviously, things changed a little bit. But I think if anyone outside of the first round and a half uh, he's got a a pretty good line to some production, and he's got the profile that you know as you know a, a, a he was a five star right out of high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean we've we've seen that on Twitter the last couple of weeks as well. Chase the stars, man. Stars matter. And w- one last thing before we head out, I'm not sure how it's going to happen, and I think it's going to happen through Kareem Hunt getting traded. But Jerome Ford, yeah, love J- that Jerome one. Jerome Ford is a very interesting like end of your fourth round type guy that. It's a lotto ticket, and like you have to have the roster space for him, but he could hit very big in that Browns offense. Well, I mean, he's he's essentially Nick Chubb. Just, I mean, not Nick Chubb's profile quite, but I mean, he he does, at least from what I recall, he does most things like Nick Chubb. He's like Nick Chubb light. Yep. All right, that should wrap us up for this evening. Remember, promo code ROTOVIZ on your underdog and uh, RV Radio 2022 for that 10% discount to the ROTOVIZ subscription, right, Dan? That's absolutely right. We love our friends at Underdog. We love our hosts, ROTOVIZ, Blue Wire. We love you. Nathan, I still love you. Love you too, Dan. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.